0: In Romans chapter 3, verses 21, and we'll finish out the chapter, Lord willing, last week we saw the dilemma of man and his utter hopelessness in being capable of redeeming himself. He could not appease God through any human effort. Paul lays out that we may know God's righteousness through faith. Faith in Christ, by his sacrifice, and and the God the Father not withholding justice that was due to us, that he poured out his wrath on his only son. We saw that this salvation and justification are by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. The sacrifice of Christ was the one true and final sacrifice that was able to atone for sin. All other sacrifices were a foreshadowing of this atonement, this final atonement. We were slaves to sin as outlined in the book of Hosea when Hosea had purchased his wife out of slavery and took her back in with him and says, I'm going to be faithful to you and you're going to be faithful to me. And that's the promise that we have from Christ as his bride. We're to be faithful. We are faithful through his power and he's going to be faithful to us. This sin was paid for as as de- in death, as payment to the Father. And I, last week I had a hard time kind of reconciling that. You know we're slaves to sin. Hosea was a slave and he bought her back from the the marketplace of of slavery. But we were bought, we were purchased by Christ out of the marketplace of slavery. But the the payment was made to the Father, which I couldn't quite wrap my head around, and it lingered until like Thursday morning. And I was studying for this and. First John three eight tells us that he who sins is of the devil. For the devil has sinned from the beginning. In John 8 44, Christ is talking to the, the Jews, and he says, You are of your father, the devil, and in his works you will do. And you go back to Genesis three fifteen, we have the promise of the gospel, the promise of the Redeemer, when he made that promise that in the woman's seed with the capital S mean Christ. This seed would crush the head of the serpent, Satan. So this, the head of the serpent was crushed at the cross. His, his works had ended there. So his head's crushed, he's done. The righteousness of God, the just, and the justifier received this payment for sin because we owe the debt to God. Effectively killing our father at that point, the devil. And then immediately we're, we're adopted by God, our father, by the finished work of Christ. Now, Paul goes on in verse 27 here, and he's, he asks a series of questions. He's got like a, a dialogue going on with an imaginary opponent. So he asks the question, he gives the answer. He really poses six questions Where is the boasting? What, by what law of works? Is he the God of the Jews only? Is he not the God of the Gentiles? To make the law void through faith? So, questions and answers. It's, it's kind of an odd, uh, odd thing, a dialogue with, amongst oneself. He's uh, it, it, like he's talking to himself, but he's addressing an audience. So, if you're able, I would ask that you please stand with me as we give honor to God's word. This is the infallible authoritative word of the living God. Let us meditate on it. Where is boasting then? It is excluded. By what law of works? No, but by the law of faith. Therefore, we conclude that a man is justified by faith, apart from the deeds of the law. Or is he of the God of the Jews only? Is he not also the God of the Gentiles? Yes, of the Gentiles also, since there is one God who will justify the circumcised by faith and the uncircumcised through faith. Do we then make make void the law through faith? Certainly not. On the contrary, we establish the law. Merciful Father we come humbly before you this morning. We just ask that you would reveal the truths contained in your scriptures and that you would apply it to our lives. Lord, bless the preaching of your word. Give me the words to speak. Let it go forth and accomplish all that you set it forth to do. And most of all, let it bring honor and glory to yourself. Lord, we love you and we praise your holy name. And it's in the matchless name of Christ we all pray and all of God's children said so he says, he starts out with his first, first question, he says, by, where is the boasting then? So he's just laid out that righteousness, the righteousness of God is being justified by grace through faith. I felt like I could just get up here and say by grace through faith for 45 minutes because it's really about what we're going to go through. We're justified in the sight of God by God. We are saved by God, from God. We established that last week. He's just in doing so, and he is the justifier. So, uh, Paul's anticipating, this reader, he's going to still be leaning on works, like the works of the law, to uh, contribute to your salvation. That's what we want to do as humans. We want to we want to add something to everything. we got to be a part of it. I, was listening to, I listened to uh, an old country station that, um, in on sundays they play gospel music and sometimes i'll listen to it but this one song came on and uh, it goes like into an interlude and the guy starts talking and he said i thank god every day that i was smart enough to choose jesus and i thought (laughs) how much arrogance is in that one statement that you're taking credit for for something that you had nothing to do with from the beginning and we'll we'll get to that and as i mentioned last week my my armenian friend was he, he felt like that he's bringing the most glory to God by choosing him, right? So, I did this. I did this. So, this salvation, again, is by grace through faith. I'm, and it's, it's not of any, any works, nothing you can do. You're, you're totally incapable. I don't know how to even remotely stress that enough. It'd be like getting a gift at Christmas and then offering to pay for it. This is what grace is. Grace is a free gift of God. Then he answers his own question. He said, it is excluded. Shut out. Finished work of Christ. No, none else. There's no room to pat yourself on the back. You, you, you really, I mean, it'd be like a man that owns this great business, and I go clean the toilets on the weekend and, and saying that I built this business. That would be really like what it is to take, take credit, any credit in your salvation. You can't exalt yourself in someone else's work from God, by God, all for the glory of God alone. You are robbing God of his glory if you say, if you put any eyes in it. This is what separates us from every other religion, whether it be Judaism, Islam, Mormonism, Jehovah's Witnesses, you name it. Every other false religion is man appeasing God in some instance, you, you're, you're working toward these, this goal. Um, my, talking to Catholics, you know, I, I talked to a Catholic gentleman last time when we were in Florida, and he says, I feel like I've got to sacrifice something to be right with God. I was like, the sacrifice was made, friend. The biblical God appeases himself. Why? For his glory. You can't. For him alone. Like I said last week, you're beneficiaries of his glory. He does the work from beginning to end. He didn't do some. It's like, well, I got you this far. You just kick it on in there for me, you know. Like like the wife that offers to drive after a 500-mile trip. The, she wants to pull into the driveway to help out, you know. And he says, on to the next question. By what law? And then the third says, by works. And then he answers both, and he says, no, but by the law of faith. Romans 4, 2 says that Abraham, not even Abraham, was justified by faith. If we look at 1 Corinthians 1, verse 20, it says, Where is the wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the disputer of this age? Has God not made the foolish the wisdom of this world? For since the wisdom of God, the world, the world wisdom... Did not know God, it pleased God through the foolishness of the message preached to save those who believe. For the Jews request a sign and the Greeks after wisdom, but we preach Christ crucified, to the Jews a stumbling block, and to the Greeks foolishness. But to those who are called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ the power of God and the wisdom of God, because the foolishness of God is wiser than men, and the weakness of God is stronger than men. For you see your calling, brethren, that not many wise according to the flesh. Not many mighty, not many noble are called. But God has chosen the foolish things of the world to put shame the wise. And God God has chosen the weak things of the world to put shame the things which are mighty. And the base things of the world, which are despised of God, has chosen. And the things which are not to bring nothing to things that are. That are no flesh, should glory in his presence. But of him you were in Christ Jesus. He became became wisdom for us from God and righteousness, and sanctification, and redemption, that it is written, he who glories, glory in the Lord. Christ is the wisdom for us. He's the righteousness for us. He is the sanctification for us. He is the redemption for us, as it is written. He's quoting. If you boast, boast in Christ. If you glory, glory in the Lord. All his And this law of faith that Paul's speaking of right here is, is translated. It can be translated principle. This principle of faith declares that no one can gain God's favor by works. God's favor again is a free gift of grace again, based on the work of Christ, received by faith. As we mentioned last week, the law understood, as it were, in the Old Testament, a.k.a. the law and the prophets, back up in verse 22. Only point to Christ, this law. Of, this is what you need. It's a road sign to the one you need, to what, what you have to have. And that the fact that he's the only means to salvation. If you thought about any, any, anything, like if, if you're smart, or, or maybe you're you're good looking, or you have you're strong. Any physical attributes that did, did that really come from you. I mean, there's things you can do to to help. You know, you, but but you had nothing to do with your genetics. It, it's a gift. And Proverbs tells us that a, a good wife is a, is a gift. And I'll tell you this much: your next breath is a gift. We don't know when that last one is. Martin Luther punished himself for years before understanding justification by faith. He tried and couldn't until he really understood the one that could and did. And this became the cornerstone of the Reformation. He went to the Catholic Church, the church. You guys got it wrong. (laughs) Can you imagine this man standing up to that? As as we had just sang in the the last song, it says to this, I hope, my hope is only Jesus, for my life is wholly bound to his. Oh, how strange and divine, I can sing all his mind, yet not I, but Christ in me. Not by my effort, Christ in me, from beginning to end. So based on this law of faith, Paul Therefore, indicated here, he's he's saying that we must come to this conclusion. Therefore, if these things are true, we must conclude this, that we are justified by faith apart from the law. Again. Last week we saw that that the law is a mirror, right? And it's in James. And and James likes to do a mirror, and you, you look in the mirror, and you see that you're dirty, and you clean yourself up before you leave. And he calls it the perfect law of liberty. That's what the law does. It shows you where you're dirty. One of the, in American Gospel, um, I finally watched it, but one of the speakers, and I can't remember who it was, he put it, he put it like this. This mirror, you look in the mirror and you see that you're dirty and he says, you don't take the mirror off the wall and then wash your face with the mirror. It doesn't work. Same with the law. The law cannot cleanse you from any unrighteousness. Faith in Christ alone, again can only cleanse you from unrighteousness. So this this effort this trying to keep the law of God has two 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 results. One of two. It will lead to pride and thinking like hey I didn't I didn't look at that girl too long, so I didn't sin there. I must have it all all figured out or I didn't yell at my wife today. Must be doing okay. So it leads to pride, and you think, well, I've got this figured out, and then you fall flat on your face. Or it leads to absolute misery for the one that realizes that he can't, and is holding on to that. I can't do it. Lord, I'm trying. And I've talked to many of you here, and we've been there. I can't. How how could this great God, this... Awesome God love someone me a sinner. And this is where the lordship crowd the lordship salvation is is wrong. They 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 tell you you must. You must. You must. You have to do this. Right? It's no different than the other side of the coin saying the same thing. It's they they go like we mentioned last week John 14:15 if you love me keep my commandments and it, the context here is Jesus is comforting his disciples. He's getting ready to die. He's getting ready to leave. And then he, right after this, he's promising the Holy Spirit. He's saying, attend to, this, attend to my law. This is, this is me. I'm the embodiment of this law. I'm going away, but the helper's coming. Rest in that. So they take this, and, and they apply it. And, and they, they say, you must, you must. They keep saying this. And Christ being the embodiment of the law is what's good and right based on his own law this lordship, salvation, it inadvertently throws works right on the back of the believer. And you're miserable. And then you you start to doubt, how can I be saved? The fact that you're miserable about your sin is a very good indication that you're saved, right? But staying miserable is not healthy. It's actually a sin because the God of all Glory has forgiven you, and for you to live in that misery—misery misery is the opposite of joy. Joy is one of the fruits of the spirit. And then assurance is lost. You're just moving along, miserable. No joy. You're not. You're not glorying in the Lord. You're not holding on to that promise that He made. You got You gotta be careful with that idea that you must. You must because He is Lord. The reality is that. That you will, because He is Lord. You will do these things, and it's still not you. It's, it's the, it's the living God, Christ living within you, that that accomplishes anything that's good. And this law is a tutor. I was listening to R.C. Sproul. And I wish I could remember who he quoted, but he was quoting another theologian that said. Uh, so this is like third-hand quoting here, I guess. So he said, it's nearly impossible for a Christian to, to break one bad habit in this life. You keep revisiting. It gets better through sanctification. We, we understand that we don't do the same things as often, but the, hap, the old habit's still there. It's, it's ongoing. Look at Galatians here. Chapter 2, this is Paul, he says, for through the law, for I through the law died to the law that I might live to God. I have been crucified with Christ, it is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. In the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. I do not set aside the grace of God, for if righteousness comes through the law, then Christ died in vain. So what he's saying is, you, when you die to the law, is to be alive in Christ. If righteousness came through the law, why did Christ have to die, is, is what he's saying. And Paul, was uh, you've heard his testimony, he was a Pharisee of the Pharisee and he studied at the feet of Gamaliel and he was the most educated Pharisee around apparently and then you get to questions 4 and 5 in this, this dialogue Paul is having with himself he said is he the God of the Jews only is he not also the God of the Gentiles, yes the Gentiles also the Lord is absolutely the God of the Jews To him he gave the revelation, the covenants, the worship, and the scriptures that, that came to them, to the Jews first. So you get to, uh, they started with him. Let's look at Romans, go back to Romans 3 here. In verses 1 and 2, it says, What advantage then has the Jew, or, or what is it the profit of circumcision? Much in every way, he says, chiefly because to them that were committed the oracles of God to them the oracles of God these, the law and the prophets and if you look in Deuteronomy 7 7 and 9 it says the Lord did not set his love on you nor chose you or choose you because you are more in number than any other people, for you are the least of all peoples, but because the Lord loves you and because he would keep the oath in which he swore to your fathers, the Lord has brought you out of a mighty hand and redeemed you from the house of bondage, from the hand of Pharaoh, the king of Egypt. You didn't didn't see any addition in there for uh, the Jews, did you? Like... He's going to do this, and he's going to do this, and and you're basically along for the ride. So this pride that the the Jews fostered this idea that God belonged to them. And you look at look at Jonah. Like, nope, I'm not going to evangelize. They're they're not they're not your people. So they had this idea that that you know the. The only ones you got to figure out. it's like that joke when you get to heaven and St. Peter's showing you around and it's like, well, over here we've got the, the, you know, the Baptists and you got the Presbyterians over here and then you, he gets so like and he gets to one room and he says, well, this is this this denomination, just, just be real quiet. And he's like, Why, well, I don't need to be quiet. He said, well, they think they're the only ones here. So it's kind of the same idea that the Jews had. So, <laughs> That idea really hasn't changed much today, You, you, you um, especially in a dispensationalist-type church. The, they, they elevate Israel very much so, and, and it's kind of like the Christians are second-class second citizens to the Jews. You know, the, Israel's God's chosen people, absolutely, but if, if you go into salvation for Christians, it's like, well, no, you can't choose God, or no, you... <laughs> God didn't choose you; you chose God. So it's, it's a weird flip there, too. So absolutely, the Israel's God's chosen people, and and the church, most of the church is terrified to say anything negative. And the reality is, an unconverted Jew will suffer the same wrath of God that an unconverted Gentile will suffer. We'll look at Genesis here for a second. Uh, chapter 12 verse 3 i will bless those who bless you and i will curse him who curses you and in you all the families of the earth will be blessed it says all the families of the earth will be blessed if not all of your descendants will be blessed. and he's talking to abraham here if you flip over to genesis 18 Verse 18 says, since Abraham shall surely become a great and mighty nation, and all the nations of the earth shall be blessed in him. It doesn't say all of his descendants, all the nations. Of all the nations, God is bringing a people unto himself. Paul reiterates, let's go to Galatians here. Chapter 3. Verses 8 and 9, he says, "And the scripture, foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith, preached the gospel to Abraham beforehand, saying, In you you all the nations shall be blessed. So then those who are the faith are blessed with believing Abraham. Go on down to verse 24. Therefore the law was our tutor to bring us to Christ, that we may be justified by faith. But after faith has come, we are no longer under a tutor. For you all, sons of God, through faith in Christ Jesus, for as many of you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek, there is neither slave nor free, there is neither male nor female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. And if you are Christ, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise so heirs according to the promise of Abraham so this promise that was made to him applies to the to the to the Christian if you go to Romans 9 verses 6 it says'll let you turn there because I know how much you like Romans 9 Verse 6 it says, But it is not that the word of God has taken no effect. For they are not all Israel who are of Israel. They are not all children because they are the seed of Abraham. But in Isaac your seed shall be called. That is, those who are the children of the flesh, these are not children of God, but the children of the promise are counted a seed. For this is the word of promise At this time I will come, and Sarah shall have a son. And not only this, but when Rebecca also had conceived by one man, even our father Isaac, for the children not yet being born nor having done any evil or good, that the purpose of God according to election might stand not of works but of him who calls. It was said to her, the older shall serve the younger, as it is written, Jacob I have loved and Esau I hated. Not all of Israel is Israel spiritually speaking and Paul's demonstrating that with Jacob and Esau the same same mother and father same bloodline he hated one and loved the other we had a guy that visited the church here for about six months until he realized we weren't King James only and I said we have some visitors so I guess well that's out of the way now but uh, we can talk about it if you need to. Um, but when he had opened a service for prayer, he would, he would always say, I'd like to pray for Israel. And that's, that's, that's good. But it, I, and in some ways, I thought, well, thanks, because I'm, I'm, I'm a part of Israel. You're Israel if you're in Christ. You're, you're, you're heirs according to the promise that was made all the way back to Abraham. Those in Christ are, are true Israel, Jew, Greek, slave, free. It doesn't matter. And I still wonder how it took six months to figure that out, that we weren't King James only. Christ is a common denominator. It's Christ plus nothing. He is the whole, complete. He's the whole, the object of our faith, the instrument by faith, the instrument of faith by which grace is applied by the Father. 1 Corinthians tells us one God, one Father, one Lord Christ. Children of God are just that. He's impartial. We went through that. Chapter 2, he's wholly impartial. We like to try to treat our kids pretty fair, you know. I will say that in my experience, boys were easier, but I love my daughter. To the ends of the earth, she got engaged, and I told that man, I said, she's still my baby. I can't tell his future wife that he's still my baby, but I love them the same. And how much more would the God of the universe, this loving father, how much more fair would he be to all that are his, a slave, a free, a Jew and a Greek, all of the same. All are one in Christ. And then you get to the how. Since there is one God who will justify the circumcised by faith and the uncircumcised through faith. Circumcised the Jew, uncircumcised the Gentile, us. One God, one salvation. I found it interesting here that there are two different pres- prepositions. You've got the by and the through. By faith and through faith. The Jew is by faith. Gentile through faith. Uh, by is ek in Greek, it means from or out of, it's sometimes translated from in English, it's the same uh, prefix to the word ekklesia, which means the called out ones, if if you remember that, and dia in the Greek, through, is on account of, it's on account of faith, so it's a weird, and you kind of wonder why the distinction, and it's it's an odd uh, it's an odd thing paul just went from chapter 1 all the way to verses 320 in here in romans and saying that you all fail you're done there's nothing you can do and then he says this then you go back and you look in romans uh romans 116 and 29 he he mentions to the jew first and then to the gentile the Jew leans on the law, the Gentile leans on the ignorance of the law, and then he says to the Jew first, and then to the Gentile, to the Jew first, and then to the Gentile. So the Jew's faith was rooted in the law from the beginning, all the way back. This is, this is that tutor that taught them their need for a Savior. That they were, you were saved from faith in the Old Testament, just like you're saved by faith in the New Testament. It really goes all the way back to Abraham, that promise that was made to him. If you want to get really technical, it goes all the way back to the beginning, when Christ was promised that seed with the capital S. It says, "By faith, Abraham was counted righteous." They have this long lineage of faith from Abraham. That's what they say. Our father Abraham. Our father Abraham was how they would speak of Abraham. The same faith is granted to the Gentile through this lineage of the Jews, the ones the oracles of God were committed to originally. Romans eleven kind of paints a, a picture of this. I'm we'll starting verse sixteen in Romans eleven here. For if the first fruit is holy, the lump is also holy. And if the root is holy, so are the branches. And if some of the branches were broken off, and you being a wild olive tree, were grafted in among them, and with them became partaker of the root and fatness of the olive tree, do not boast against the branches. But if you do boast, remember that you do not support the root, but the root supports you. You will say then, branches were broken off, that I might be grafted in, well said, because of unbelief, they were broken off, and you stand by faith. Do not be haughty, but fear. For if God did not spare the natural branches, he may not spare you either. Therefore, consider the goodness and severity of God on those who fell. Severity, but towards you, goodness. If you continue in his goodness, otherwise you will also be cut off. And they also, if they do not continue in unbelief, will be grafted in, for God is able to graft them in again. So, Jew, the, the, the Gentiles are grafted into the, the, the tree, this olive tree is the, is the, the image here. So, um, I've, I've heard of apple trees being grafted. If you want to make a hybrid apple, you split a branch and you split a, a twig and you put them together and you tape it up and you get a hybrid apple. It's the same kind of uh, thought here that's going on. So, the, I can cut a branch off a tree and that branch is going to die. It's over. It's over. The Jews are the, the root of the tree Israel is the root we are part of that tree grafted in by God this is the difference so by and through we're through the root of the tree they are, they are the root of the tree by this they're the lineage of Abraham we're through the lineage of Abraham we're the other nations in Genesis 22. Then Paul poses his final question Do we make the law void then? If we were never saved by anything but faith, what good is the law? Okay. He's, it's an argument they, they might have, <laughs> this is his rhetorical question that he's going to answer. Let's do away with this law. We're under grace. And he says antinomianism or anti-law is what that, what that is. It's not all faith. Why the law? The reality is, apart from the law, there can be no faith. How could you, how can you know that you broke something that wasn't there? You would be ignorant, just as the, the Gentiles were claiming anyway. So no, no law, no faith. Can't break anything that doesn't exist they would argue we have, we have faith now we're under grace there's no need for the law in Romans 6 in Paul's building on this from chapter 3 on he says what shall we say then shall we continue in sin that grace may abound certainly not how shall we who died to sin live any, live any longer in it so he squashes that idea is this this idea of getting rid of the law and then he's talking about well when he gets into grace there, he's he's asking another rhetorical like, well if we're under grace we might as well sin because if we're under grace we might as well sin because we can just get more grace. Like, that sounds like a great idea said no one ever and Paul <laughs> anticipated that. So. You don't want that. Certainly not. How should we who died to sin live any longer in it? He's he's tying the law and grace together, making the law void is impossible. I can't I can't just decide tomorrow that the law of gravity exists because in my forty eight years on this planet I haven't floated off into space randomly. I'm like, well, I don't think there's anything such thing as gravity because. I have faith that I'm not going to float off into space tomorrow. It's still the law, it's still gravity, it's still there. The law is foundational. From the beginning, this is this is where you fail. This is where you fall short. This is what you need. This certainly not. He answers this question, this random rhetorical question with a resounding certainly not. On the contrary, we established the law quite the opposite. Paul is saying that justification does not abolish the law, but establishes it, puts it in its rightful place. He wants us to use it properly. This is the proper use of the law. What does it do? It points to Christ. It restrains sin. It shows us how to love. I worked with a guy who's an atheist, and he says, "I think the Bible is just a bunch of a book of rules that I'm, I'm supposed to follow or something." I'm like, yeah. And I tried to go on to like, well, which ones, which ones have you broken? How do you, how do you re- reconcile? it? I don't want to hear none of your religious stuff. Funny thing is the law was written on his heart. And he was suppressing it. The law is the guardian that leads us to Christ. Then it becomes our delight, Right? The Holy Spirit makes us, inclines us to love the law. The law that we hated before. The law that was like a rod and it beat us to the cross. God says, you're mine now. This is what pleases me and the Holy Spirit applies it and and then you love it. This law is a constant reminder of our sin as believers doesn't really really sound too palatable does it I don't want to be reminded of how much I fail and how much of a sinner I am but then when you add grace to it add grace to this equation we cannot fully grasp this boundless amazing great grace apart from the law this great sinners, this great lawbreakers, the this great savior Christ and this father that pours his wrath out on his own son because he is just and the justifier and he says you're mine the law establishes grace it makes grace what it is it reminds us of how great it is continually that's why you meditate on the law Lordship crowd would have you take the law and punish yourself and beat yourself over the back with it. Carry that burden yourself, not confessing it to the Lord and just carrying it yourself. It's not yours to carry anymore. They would have you they would have you take the law of liberty, that mirror, and you would see that you had something on your face and then you take the mirror off the wall and just break your face into it. That was that's what lordship salvation does. The law gives wisdom, gives light, gives warning. It's rewarding. It's a path of righteousness and joy. It teaches us to love God and our neighbors. I mean, everybody, I think it was Sean has it said that everybody wants to be treated like a Christian. Like you would want me to not lie to you and not steal from you and all the other things the, the adultery and, and what this law establishes truth We we'll be careful to guard that truth I know I'm a bit of a weirdo but my favorite Bible verse is a partial one when, when Jesus was on trial and Pilate said what is truth What is truth? Christ said, "I am the way. I am the truth. The epitome of the law. He, he fulfilled the law. He didn't come to abolish the law. He fulfilled the law." In Psalm one nineteen ninety seven. Oh how I love your law It is my meditation all the day Yet through your commandments you Make me wiser than my enemies For they are ever with me I have more understanding Than all my teachers For your testimonies are my meditation I understand more than the ancients Because I keep your precepts I have strained my feet From every evil way That I may keep your word I have not departed from your judgments For you yourself have taught me How sweet are your words to my taste, sweeter than honey to my mouth. Through your precepts I get understanding, therefore I hate every false way. Meditates on the law day and night. The law liberates us at that point through justification. You can't Christ did. So I'll ask the first question again. So where is the boasting? The boasting is excluded by faith, excluded by unity, through the Jew and the Gentile. It is excluded by the law. You have nothing to take credit for. From salvation sanctification all into glorification it's all a work of the triune God so what does that look like quite simply Christ died for sinners more explicitly he broke the law of God he committed cosmic treason deserving of death you're on trial. God of all the universe is the judge, and He says, "You're guilty. You know you're guilty." But I have a solution. I have my son that has never done anything wrong, and I'll let him take your punishment on your behalf. And not only does he take your punishment, then the father, his father, comes down off of the out of the judgment seat and clothes you in his own son's righteousness. He puts his son's clothes on you, that he sees only his son from that moment on in you. Everything's wiped away from that point. A merciful Father, again, we thank you for this Lord's Day, that we may come freely into your presence and worship you, we may partake of this bread of life, your word. Lord, I pray that if anyone does not know you here, that today would be their birthday into the kingdom of heaven. And if they feel so inclined to come to me or someone else in the church, if they have any questions. Lord, we love you and we praise your holy name and all of God's children.